молодість юна коня, Козак молодий плаче, молода дівчина, Їде козак з України. Гей, 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 суколи, обминайте гори і сідоли, Серце плаче, більше її не побачу. Гей, 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 суколи, обминайте гори і сідоли. Дзвін, 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 дзвіночку, все повижай вороночку. Гей, 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 суколи, обминайте гори і сідоли. Дзвін, 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 дзвіночку, місце повижай. Toronto, that was Dunai from their third album released a few years ago now, about 2015. And that song was Hey Sokole, a Ukrainian folk song with Polish roots, a song about brave eagles. Vitaju vas vsih, dorhi radio suhechina, radio pratamu, nash holos, radio krinsko hokurinia, kutra podiacivam nabahatumovni radio stanci, am trinatia dvatia chmb, umisti vancuveri. Primicrofoni pavlina, diakuyush, dorishale parvutizinoyu, nastupnu hudenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paulette Demchik-McQuarrie, Pukadinske Paulina. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a great program lined up for you today. On Kanishka Corner, Myra will be reviewing a book by a local Vancouver author. As well, we have Cultural Capsule. Basel will be telling us all about Sokil. And from the Nash Holos Audio Archives, Ukrainian Jewish Heritage Part 1 of a part four-part series on the currencies of Ukraine and Israel. So stay tuned for all of that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And much of it will be new music, like really new, just uh, 
acquired um, just in the last few days. This next song is one of those. It is by another Toronto artist, Nastasia, and she just released this song called Bizvas, which translates as Without You on Bandcamp, with this note. One year after the invasion of my country, this song is meant to raise awareness about some of the war crimes affecting the citizens, including my family in Ukraine. Bezvas, Without You, is written in both English and Ukrainian to reach more people, produced by Rob Christian of the Larnell Lewis Band, with poems by a refugee in my city of Toronto, Canada. Here is Nastasia with Bezvas. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shochenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for the past 60 years. Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing artists and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media including this program. 
The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Holos listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit www.shochenkofoundation.ca. Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a tax-deductible donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications, and when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com, or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. Зайка, привіт! Одразу зізнаю, що дуже сумую і тим переймаюсь. Бентежить мене ця відстань між нами. Хоч ти там, де добре, ти біля мами. А я все мандрую. Полюю удачу, бачаю далеке і близьке не бачу. Я вірю те, що все можна змінити. Собі то довести і тебе навчити. І де б я не був, я той пагорб шукаю, де ловить сигнал, і я хвилю впіймаю, куди понезоне слов на захід чи схід. І де б я не був, я тебе набираю, чекаю гудки і увесь замираю, щоб просто промовити, зайка, привіт. Що просто промовити Зайка, привіт Так, кожному кожне Під силу здолати І я все продовжую Кроки ступати Так хочеться, щоб Ти цим також втішалась Щоб все розуміла Може навіть пишалась І де б я не був, я той пагорб шукаю Де ловить сигнал, і я хвилю впіймаю Куди б не занесло, на захід чи схід І де б я не був, я тебе набираю Чекаю гудки і увесь замираю Щоб просто промовити Зайка, привіт Щоб просто промовити Зайка, привіт Сьогодні багато твій мандрівник Завжди люблячий тато Another new song called Zeka Privit by the popular Ukrainian group Vidverto. When war broke out a year ago, Vidverto stopped releasing music. Their drummer, Oleksiy, now defends the country in the ranks of Ukraine's armed forces. However, before the war, they recorded this touching song, Zyka Privit, a father's message of love and comfort to his little girl. Vidverto dedicates it to everyone who is now separated by distance and would like to be close. Up next, another recent release I came across on YouTube, 
I'd seen videos by this artist before and was quite intrigued by him, but there's not been much information online about him and uh, still isn't. The first video I saw was a long song, about five minutes, of him alone sitting on a barge in the middle of a body of water, most likely the Dnipro River, playing a harmonium, which is kind of a, a horizontal accordion, and singing an old Cossack song. He has since appeared on the Voice of Ukraine talent show singing that song, where he stunned the audience and judges alike with his song and the story of his life. On stage and on camera, he goes by the name of Kozak Siromaha and depicts the image of a real Kozak. However, this image is not just for show. Kozak Siromaha, whose real name is Alexander Lubozhenko, also observes all Kozak traditions and rituals. After he graduated from the Academy of Cossacks, he tore up his documents to become a real unregistered Cossack. Alexander performs with the Kalush Orchestra when he does music, but uh, he could not go to Eurovision 2022 in Turin, Italy, where they won first place, because he doesn't have a passport. He currently lives with his wife and three children in the Cossack settlement of Teromske on the banks of the Dnipro River. The children are raised according to ancient traditions without telephones and access to the internet. Instead of sending his sons to primary school, Alexander taught them Cossack traditions, saber skills, and science. When Russia invaded Ukraine, Alexander joined the ranks of the armed forces of Ukraine and served as part of the ATO, uh, the anti-terrorist operation. He does still serve his country both as a fighting Cossack and as a singing one. Here is Kozak Siromaha now with his most recent rendition of Zasvitstala Kozachenko, The Kozaks Woke Up.
Alexei Pavlovsky, and welcome to Cultural Capsule here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. On February 11, 1894, the Sokil Falcon Athletic and Activities Organization came to being in Lviv. This organization followed in the footsteps of a similar movement which started in Prague in 1862 and played a role in the national rebirth of several Slavic peoples. The association's first president from its founding until 1900 was Vasil Nahirny. Nahirny, an architect and community leader, founded Narodna Torhivlia, a wholesale cooperative, and was CEO of the Krosvita Society. Its director, Volodymyr Lavrivsky, wrote the organization's incorporative documents based on the Czech Sokil organization founded in 1862. The association propagated national unity, self-confidence, and dignity through physical education. The organization expanded throughout Galicia in the decade leading up to the First World War. While the organization's primary role was physical education and sport, it also encouraged amateur choral, orchestral, and theatrical activities. Though very much like today, there were Moscophiles in Lviv who interfered in the organization's growth and led to Lavrivsky's resignation in 1900. However, prior to that, Lavrivsky, together with the organization, published two handbooks in the Ukrainian language, on lawn tennis and on Kopana Association football, what we in North America call soccer. After the Lviv branch was well established, the second branch appeared in Stanislaviv, currently Ivano-Frankivsk. Other branches appeared throughout Galicia. And while their focus was primarily on physical education, in rural areas the task of firefighting was also taught. In 1906, a branch in Stry was established and another established in Ternobyl in 1910. By 1909, the main branch in Lviv was referred to as Sokil Batko, Sokil Father. By 1914, the number of Sokil branches grew to 974 and had a membership of 33,000. The growth during this period can be credited to the very active role which Ivan Boberski, who was head of the Sokil Teacher's Circle from 1901 and presided over Sokil from 1908 through 1912. As a pedagogue, Boberski also made a contribution in the development of Ukrainian words for the names of different sports in Ukrainian. Three such examples are Sitivka, for tennis derived from the word Sitka meaning net, Vidbevanka for volleyball from the verb Vidbevate to fend off, and Koshikivka for basketball from the word Koshik meaning basket. In Russian-ruled Ukraine, Sokil organizations appeared at the turn of the last century. Kiev's was the largest, with other branches in the cities of Katerinoslav, Odessa, Kharkiv, Chernihiv, Tahanrik, and Kursk. The First World War interrupted the operations of many organizations, and Sokil, too, was hard hit. And only the Sokil Batko branch functioned from 1918 to 1920. The Treaty of Versailles put Galicia under Polish rule. Sokil and other organizations suffered. Though at its apex, during the interwar period, there were 300 Sokil organizations with a peak membership of 35,000 individuals. In parallel to Sokil were the Siege Societies, which also promoted physical education, and it was from the Siege organization that the Ukrainian Siege Riflemen, known as OSS, was formed in March 1913 by Kirill Krylovsky. I've often heard the expression, three Ukrainians, five organizations, and I'm quite certain many of Nasholis' listeners have heard this as well. Boberski served as the treasurer of the Ukrainian siege riflemen from 1914 to 1918. From 1918 to 1920, he headed the office of the military press for the state secretary of the Western Ukrainian People's Republic. In 1920, Boberski left for North America, where he served as plenipotentiary of the Western Ukrainian People's Republic for four years. While the siege organization took root in North America, Sokil did not. I was surprised to discover that Bobeski was an avid photographer and during the 1920s he photographed many Ukrainian-Canadian experiences. These photographs can be found at the Ukrainian Cultural and Educational Center in Winnipeg. It took many years before Sokil was re-established as a sports movement in an independent Ukraine. This only happened in 2006. There are Sokil branches in all the oblasts of Ukraine except Crimea and all municipal and regional branches report to their oblast headquarters. Many of the organization's members were active participants in the Revolution of Dignity in 2014. 
After that, the organization changed from being strictly a youth organization into a paramilitary organization to deal with Russia's war on Ukraine. In these difficult times that Ukraine faces, I would like all listeners of Nash Hollis to open their hearts to their pasts. At times, our personal pasts become a magical world that helps each of us understand who we really are. We are Ukrainian and we stand with Ukraine. Up next, Vova Hazed and the orchestras of law enforcement agencies of the armed forces of Ukraine in a live performance of the anthem of the defense of Ukraine, Bracha Ukrainsiv, Brothers Ukrainians. На сцені зведений духовий оркестр Збройних сил України. Головний військовий диригент, народний артист України Володимир Дашковський. Соліст Автор пісні «Браття українці» – лідер гурту «Шабля» Вова Гейзер. Любі мої діти, мила мамо й тату, Я йду на віноньку нашу землю захищати. Не плачте за мною, якщо в полі згину, Завіта за любоненьку нашу Україну. Єднаємося, браття, цілику годину. Нехай ворог знає, ми за Україну. Богу душу нашу віддамо єдину за нашу землю. Священну Україну, Богу душу нашу, віддамо єдину за нашу землю, священну Україну.
до сухи дубы завтра мороз будет. Ой, собирайся, молодый козачи, завтра покет будет. Ой, собирайся, молодый козачи, завтра покет будет. Ой, я морозу дай не боюсь, за. Lena Kureshko and Maxim Berezhnyuk with an old Cossack song about a young man going off to war and proclaiming he is not afraid of dying. Up next, the popular men's group Pikardiska Terzia with Oleg Sobchuk and a recent release called Ruja, Rose. Каже хлопець, вже я не червена. Та найкаже, а я не журюся. Кому мила, тому сподобуюся. Та найкаже, а я не журюся. 
to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing The Blue Riviera, A Daughter's Investigation by Roxanne Kurpita Davies. The Blue Riviera chronicles a daughter's journey to find the truth about the death of her mother. Sally Tomyuk Kurpita was killed in a tragic car accident at the age of 32 on May the 3rd, 1960. Roxanne Kurpita Davies was eight years old when her mother died, and her mysterious death led the writer to write this memoir. Most importantly, I wanted to know what happened to her on the night she died. Sally Tomyuk Kurpita lived a difficult and complicated life. Born in the village of Starikuti in western Ukraine, her family emigrated to Canada in 1938. While on the ship, Sally contracted spinal meningitis, which would eventually lead to the loss of one of her eyes. Her family settled in Montreal. They participated in the Ukrainian community, attending Ukrainian Catholic Church, and celebrating important events with friends and family. Sally was a devout Ukrainian Catholic, but she had an interest in the paranormal and visited psychics and card readers. She married and had one child named Roxolana. Her daughter would eventually anglicize her name to Roxanne. Sally and her husband purchased the Dorchester Hotel in a rundown area of Montreal and soon started having money problems. In May 1960, Sally asked her sister, Anna, to lend her $30,000. The next night, Sally died on her way home from the hotel. The last picture of her shows an ashtray with a burning cigarette. Was someone with her? Was she being threatened? Was that person part of the story behind her death? Roxanne was eight years old when her mother died. She was raised by her Aunt Anna, who was confined to a wheelchair for much of her life, but managed to run a business for decades. Roxanne became a successful writer and journalist, but was haunted by her mother's story. Like a stone dropped in a still pond, her death created ripples in my life that continue to move me to this day. During the COVID-19 pandemic, she decided to write about her search for the truth about her mother's death. The Blue Riviera was the culmination of 60 years of longing to know the truth. Roxanne's exploration is just as much about her own life as it is about her mother's death. Her search for meaning leads her to depression and anxiety. Roxanne goes to therapy, but also visits psychics, fortune tellers, and clairvoyants. She has a contentious relationship with her father, whom she blames for her mother's death, without any proof. She discovers that her father has another family in Ukraine, which he left behind. As a result of these conflicts, they are estranged for years. She tries to connect with her Ukrainian roots and studies Ukrainian history, visits Ukraine, and reconnects with her Ukrainian family. Yet my mother's spirit haunts me still, and the history of Ukraine has caught up with me. It has me in its thrall. This autobiographical work will create strong connections for Ukrainian-Canadian readers whose parents came to Canada in the 20th century. Those who have lost parents will be able to relate to Roxanne's desire to know more about her mother's life and legacy. There are marvelous stories about discussing Quebec politics, celebrating family events, attending Ridna Shkola on Saturday mornings, learning to appreciate Ukrainian heritage, and suffering along with the population of Ukraine after the Russian invasion in 2022. She speaks for all Ukrainians when she says, Putin seeks to destroy Ukraine. This is not war. This is genocide. Kurpita Davies is a skilled reporter, and this is obvious in her description of her mother's life and Ukrainian history. The Holodomor was a historic tragedy with no happy ending. 
It is the story of personal dignity in the face of horror and humiliation. However, the lengthy passages about her own emotional journey could have been shortened in order to make the narrative flow more smoothly. The book could have profited from more rigorous editing. There are useful endnotes which could provide sources for those readers who want to do research on their Ukrainian-Canadian cultural roots. Roxanne Kurpita Davies graduated with a BA from Concordia. In 1990, she moved to British Columbia, where she has worked as a newspaper reporter, art gallery manager, health researcher, adult education program manager, and a marketing consultant. She has published several nonfiction books, Orchards, Crossroads, and Dreams, Olga, The OK Way to a Healthy, Happy Life, and co-authored Inside View, The Eye Behind the Lens. She currently lives in North Vancouver, British Columbia, where she works as a writer, researcher, and writing instructor. The Blue Riviera is available at Op Media Group Bookstore. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. You can find information about Roxanne Davies and her book, The Blue Riviera, online at the website thebluerivieira.com. You can also purchase a copy of the book there, and I would encourage you to do so for yourself and as a gift for someone else. Roxanne will be donating proceeds to registered charities supporting orphans in Ukraine and Ukrainian refugees in B.C. That's thebluriviera.com.
Ukrainian folk group based uh, both in Toronto and uh, in the eastern United States. That uh, group is called Korinya, and that song was Oi Yaznayu. Yes, I know, I have sinned. And now, Ukrainian Jewish heritage on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio, discovering unknown and untold stories from the past and present of Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage. Banknotes and coins are not only means of payment, they are also a symbol of sovereignty. This is a story about two currencies, two countries, and two peoples with a long and closely intertwined history. The hryvnia, currency of Ukraine, and the shekel, currency of Israel. This is the story of how both of these countries have honored the other with their respective currencies. Nothing confirms sovereign statehood like its own unique, identifiable, and stable currency. And arguably, no two countries know this better than Ukraine and Israel. One of the biggest challenges of any new state is being taken seriously on the world stage as a sovereign political entity with a viable economy. To that end, engaging in international trade is crucial. And for that to happen, a new state needs its own currency. In 1991, shortly after the collapse of communism in Eastern Europe, Ukraine suddenly found itself an independent state. After over 70 years of political and economic subordination, Ukraine was finally free of Kremlin control. But taking control of its own affairs, after centuries of foreign control, would be no easy task. As a new state, Ukraine found itself stuck with the Soviet ruble as its currency. This situation, using the currency of another country, was not conducive to creating the impression of sovereignty, nor economic strength and stability. So, creating its own currency became a high priority for the new Ukrainian state. In 1948, after the Holocaust decimated the vast majority of European Jews, the Jewish people finally had their own state. And likewise, the new state of Israel found itself stuck with a foreign currency, the Palestine pound. At the end of World War I, the Ottoman Empire conceded Palestine and Transjordan, which, at the end of the war, were undeveloped, poor, and sparsely populated, to the Allied forces. The League of Nations, the forerunner of today's United Nations, created the British Mandate of Palestine for the British to administer these territories. The Ottoman Empire had no official name for these lands. So the new administration chose the term Palestine, which dates back to ancient times. In the second century, the Roman Empire had crushed a Jewish revolt and recaptured Jerusalem and Judea. The Romans renamed the area of Judea as Palestine in an attempt to minimize Jewish identification with the land of Israel. With the creation of the new state of Israel in 1948, the British Mandate of Palestine came to an end. But nonetheless, Israel was stuck with the Palestine pound as its currency. So creating its own currency became a high priority for the new Jewish state. It took a few years for both states to create and establish their own currencies, but in both cases, the process began almost immediately. In Ukraine, a temporary currency, the Korbovanets, was created. By November of 1992, it had replaced the Soviet ruble and was sole legal tender in Ukraine. In 1996, the hryvnia was introduced as Ukraine's national currency when past President Viktor Yushchenko was chairman of the National Bank of Ukraine. Work to design the hryvnia had, however, begun much earlier and under secrecy. The first banknotes were printed outside the country in Canada and the United Kingdom. The one hryvnia banknotes were printed by the Canadian Banknote Company in 1992, and the two five- and ten-hryvnia banknotes in 1994. 
The banknotes were stored in Canada until they were put into circulation two years later. Israel's currency also involves secrecy. Planning for it began before the State of Israel was yet established or named. This was a tricky situation, as no reputable foreign firm was interested in printing banknotes for a non-existent state. Eventually, however, the American Banknote Company of New York was persuaded to print them, but without any indication that they were legal tender. When the banknotes were ordered, no one yet knew what the name of the new state would be, let alone the name of its currency. It was therefore decided to print Palestine Pound on the notes, the currency of the mandate. The banknotes reached Israel secretly in 1948. On August 17th, the government passed a law declaring the notes legal tender, and they were put into circulation on the following day. In 1952, the Israeli pound, or lira, was introduced to replace the Palestine pound. From then onwards, a debate raged over the non-Hebrew name of the currency. This resulted in a law in 1969 ordering the currency to be replaced by the shekel. It was finally introduced in 1980 after two years of planning in complete secrecy. After a period of hyperinflation, the shekel was replaced by the much more stable Israeli new shekel in 1986. Despite some talk of another change in 2013, the Israeli new shekel remains the country's monetary unit. The names of both these currencies, the Ukrainian hryvnia and Israeli new shekel, have ancient roots. The hryvnia is named after the currency used in medieval Kievan Rus called the grivnia, which means mane. It might have indicated something valuable worn around the neck, usually made of silver or gold. Later, the word was used to describe silver or gold ingots of a certain weight. Today, the standard English name for Ukraine's currency is hryvnia. The National Bank of Ukraine has recommended that a distinction be made between hryvnia and grivnia in both historical and practical means. The shekel's roots are even older. The shekel was an ancient Near Eastern unit of weight and is mentioned in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament. It was first a currency in ancient Tyre and ancient Carthage, and then in ancient Israel under the Maccabees. The modern state of Israel was created and built by Jewish settlers who came mainly from Eastern Europe, many from the territories of modern-day Ukraine. This latter-day exodus dates back as far as a century ago, when many Jews fled oppression in both the Russian and Austro-Hungarian empires. Since the establishment of the state of Israel, European Jews continued to emigrate to their ancestral homeland. Despite the many obstacles, in particular in the communist countries of Eastern Europe. Several Jews from Ukrainian territories have been awarded one of Israel's highest honors, their portraits depicted on the state's banknotes and coins. And Ukraine has returned the favor. In recent years, the National Bank of Ukraine has issued dozens of commemorative coins on various topics. Several coins are dedicated to prominent Jewish writers and scientists who lived and worked in Ukraine as well as religious buildings of Judaism in Ukraine. And a century ago, Yiddish was used on Ukrainian currency in 1917-1920. So profound was the impact of Jews on Ukraine that Yiddish was one of the three state languages on the paper currency of the Ukrainian People's Republic, an attempt at independence from Russia that lasted four years until 1921. In the next edition of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we'll bring you the names of the distinguished and esteemed Ukrainians and Jews who grace the currencies of both countries. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage. Until next time, Shalom. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Patriotism, <laughs>
and our proverb of the week translates as patriotism is a step toward heaven. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder to tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on CHLY 101.7 FM, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. with host Oksana Poparezhnik. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast at our website, www.nasholos.com, and you can find Nasholos on your favorite podcast app. Well, our time is up, so to take us to the end of our program, the Parkland Pioneers from Dauphin, Manitoba, and Kalabai. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich! Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.